What if everything you thought of health and wellness suddenly changed due to a hidden breathing problem that you were unaware of that affects every system in your body? Improper breathing habits are often overlooked in medicine. I'm Dr. Jenny from the Hobson Institute, and this is The Breathing Lab. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Jenny from the Hobson Institute. I am so excited about our next interview. It's with a friend and colleague, and fellow physical therapist, Ron Ruska from the Postural Restoration Institute in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, I decided to interview Ron because of my, my deep passion around anatomy and posture and breathing. And I think he brings a lot of wealth of knowledge uh, to everybody here that's listening that wants to learn a little more about breathing and airway health. Ron, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I so appreciate you taking the time. I know you're very busy. Well, it's thank you for having me and I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate you. Yeah, I, um, I wanted to just first um, explain to the listener that, you know, I'm, I'm a physical therapist that treats a lot of TMJ and airway and I've recently uh, met Ron maybe four years ago before COVID at a conference called the American Academy of Physiological Medicine Dentistry. So it's kind of a, a conference that brings a lot of different practitioners, uh, doctors, physical therapists, myofunctional, you know, tongue training, airway training therapists, and many doctors. And Ron brings something very different to the table. And I wanted to share with everybody this very special way of looking at the body. So Ron, um, I know that you do a little bit with addressing how the feet affect the body, how the breathing affects the body, how the eyes affect the body. Um, I even have some personal experience with me and my family working with you and some of your therapists. Um, so first, let's just talk about. Um, really the postural adaptations um, that the body goes through when they start, when it starts to breathe improperly. Talk, talk a little bit to the audience around that. Well, the human body is a unique structure. Uh, as a mammal, uh, we rely on our perspective of where we're at. We're, you know, we're protectors of our, of our young and we're protectors of our own body as we go through and get older as we go through life and get older. And Jennifer, the thing that I appreciate the most about the human is when you look at it just from a biological, zoological, physiological, neurological pr perspective is that we're very, very good at adapting. You said that word earlier to both what's going on around us, but intuitively what we need to do inside of us to manage uh, any activity that we put in front of us or that we get excited about both emotionally or uh, from a from a from a prosperous standpoint we we succeed and our our need to feel like we're accomplishing something begins with how we move you know how we control ourselves is really what starts our process of getting good at whatever we do that's we're good at that we're good at and i know it's a genetic issue but it's also developmental and, and a growth issue and the one thing we all have to contend with are two words gravity and gas we have a system that has to manage where we're at in any given time with how we produce or not produce pressure how we suppress or increase pressure inside of us to regulate those pressures around us 
And some of that pressure around us is real. It's space. It's what we uh, it's what we take in molecularly with gas that we breathe. You know, we only we produce two things: we produce a voice and we produce gas. And everything around that that's after that is called movement. Something that we're accomplishing because of the former two. So we have to manage gravity and we have to manage airflow. And to manage airflow, you have to manage gravity. And to manage gravity, you have to manage airflow. So I, I've always respected the human from those two, from those two perspectives. I, I don't know why, Jennifer, but I, I still don't really know if there's a profession I belong in because unfortunately, we're all going to schools where we forget about this universal system we have that's really dependent upon an, uh, an integrated uh, collaborative effort from many disciplines that look at our body in a unique, uh, a unique way, a unique setting. And so when I look at the word posture, it means a lot to me in terms of how we as a human regulate both gravity and airflow. And one thing I can sure, assure all the listeners out there, uh, we are all built the same way. We have different parents. We have different you know, skin color. We have different sight. Uh, we have different things that excite us. But we're all really put together the same way uh, neurologically. And we all have four extremities. We all have a head and neck. So we're somewhat predictable. And I, I build off of predictabilities uh, and that, that's a plural. And the number one resource we have to build off is this, are these things called patterns. So I look at patterns and neuromuscular patterns are something you and I got in physical therapy school. They're composed of muscle, tissue, fascia. And then once again, they're composed of fluid that's got to move as, as a result of how we manage the flow in, a, in us, which would include our vision, our airway, and the, and, uh, the things that we produce from that. And that would be actual, actual function. So in summary, I look at the body as a physical body, a physiological body, a psychological body that has two definitive sides to it, a left and a right. And they are completely different from each other. That would include our arms, our hand, our arms and hands, our feet and our legs, our eyes, our ears, the two sides of our uh, nose. We've got two openings, uh, our mouth. We have two sides of our mouth, two rows of teeth. We are biologically put together to figure out how to alternate and reciprocate by using those two halves of our body. And the last thing I'll say, because based on that is the diaphragm we use to breathe with Jennifer, as you know, uh, is really laying in a cavity, our thorax. And it, there's two sides of our thorax. So there's a spine that divides those two sides and our ribs and our lungs are completely independent of each other when it comes to the diaphragms that we use. And we have two of them. We have two thoracic diaphragms. We have two pelvis diaphragms and those two diaphragms are not the same size. Uh, that's why children are born uh, coming out of the birth canal one direction more than the other and why we do things with our liverless side on one side and a liver side on the other side. We are completely composed of internal drive and mechanisms that make us who we are. And it's fun to look at that and study that because it answers so many of our questions on why people look the way they do when they manage gas and gravity. Fascinating. You know, I want to bring up a little bit about how um, I've been working with one of your therapists, one of your instructors, Dan Hoagland, yeah. um, here in Illinois, and with my two children. Your children these days have a lot of issues with posture and, yes, and a, lot, a lot of issues with, you know, 
inflammation and diet and things like that. And, and, you know, for me, I feel like the computer, all the technology, it's great, but it's caused a lot of problems with patients, with children's posture. I think, mm-hmm. um, working with Dan, I'm, I come from a physical therapy background of anatomy and physiology, yeah. but yeah. it's been, it's been a pretty interesting journey for me, uh, to know what I know and come to those meetings with, uh, your, your, your therapist, yeah. um, both my children are are doing fantastic. They've only seen uh, Dan, I think, maybe four times for Isabella and twice for for Clyde. And just to explain a little bit about what those meetings look like, you know, I'm a physical therapist that does a lot of hands-on work, and I'm always trying to balance out the body, the pelvis, the upper cervical spine, and uh-huh. use my hands, you know, and some exercises to to get people in neutral. So what I find fascinating is that, and and just explain to everybody, this is how my experience is. We'll come into the session and uh, the therapist, the postural restoration therapist will check certain areas and Mm -hmm. the mid cervical spine on a table, which is the mid neck. He kind of just lifts it up into a little bit of extension and side bends right and left. And if there's not a good amount of range of motion there, there's something wrong in that area, that surrounding joint area and the arm too. You put the arm out and, you know, out to your side and you go into internal rotation and you did this, Ron, you did this at a conference. And I was like, how did he get that arm to go farther after he did just a couple things? And then he'll put her, put, put them on their side and check what we considered, you know, at IT band tests to see how long, uh, like tight it is. And that if you are in proper alignment, all the tests are negative. So it's fascinating to me to, to be able to identify the surrounding area that needs to be neutralized. And this is, you correct me if I'm wrong, Ron, because I'm not PRI trained, um, (laughs) but I'm getting it. I'm understanding with you're discussing this with a therapist. If you, if you identify these areas and then you get the body to position itself in a way that you're either using your lungs a little differently than you would have um, your position in a way that, when you activate certain muscles, the bones kind of realign in the bodies so that at the end of the one hour session, everything's negative. And if, if the child or the patient is able to perform two exercises or three, Dan only gives the kids two right now. Cause that's all they can handle. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> because they have to do it like four times a day throughout the day so that they can find neutral again. And I will tell you, Dan, Ron, that the changes are remarkable with just getting the person to do that particular exercise that they were a little off in their body to realign them. So can you just, can you tell me how, how did you come, how did you create these ideas in your head and learn how to use the exercise to just get people to do what they need to do on their own. That's a, I get that question a lot, Jennifer. First of all, you're being sweet. Uh, For the listener, I have a a true sense that you really, 
want to make sense out of this. And I respect you so much for that because I know the little I know about you and the little I've worked with you, I, I really appreciate your passion to make sense out of this. So first of all, let me say that to you right on the air. The second thing is the, the way I the way I was raised was, you know, I'm, a, I'm the oldest of 13 children. And I was raised in a family that had a lot of love and a lot of affection and a lot of respect for nature. And, uh, you know, our body, I don't know everything about this body. And Jennifer, I'm learning something, you know, we've been around uh, doing this uh, institute work now for almost three, over three decades. And I learned something every, I'm going to learn something today, as you will too. We learn something every day. And one thing I've learned about the body is that it is just a remarkable system that I have so much respect for, which includes my own. I'm very mindful of my body based on what I see in the general public, but more, more importantly, what I see in uh, many, many textbooks written by many different disciplines that people don't get to because we get so passionate about one career or one occupation or one science uh, that we forget that there's a relationship that's uh, often missed uh, in other sciences like optometry or audiology or dentistry or, and that, that the same would be true for them. I, ha- I came from a, a, a background where um, you didn't, you looked at, you looked at a piece of equipment. I lived on a farm and uh, if you had one tire low on air, uh, you could never regulate, you know, the thing that's going to cut the grain correctly on the ground. You had to keep both tires up. I'm only using it as a mechanical way to describe that system that I look at is a mechanical system. And the neurology behind it and the fuel you put in it and the, the flow that filters the dust particles, the filters that we have in our kidneys and the way we look at our body in terms of how it takes things in and puts things out, which would include how we move for you know power and, and function requires a respect and a mindfulness of what we eat, what we do when we sleep or don't, and how we regulate this input that's going in as as far as what we're trying to do to get out of it. And based on that, I immediately started looking at the world of orthopedics completely different than we got in school. I went to school to affirm my concern. You know, we look at orthopedics, bones and muscles and joints as if they exist in a vacuum. Our bones and our joints and our body entirely is run by our mindset based on what cortical function, brain function we have on history, patterns. We create patterns every day. So the one word that I have always focused on is patterned activity. And pattern activity is is a multifocal discussion. So when you look at arm movement and leg movement, you have to look at the flow, the filtration, the activity your mind likes, you know, mindfulness for your kids on those two exercises Dan gave them. They don't necessarily have to do it just four times a day, but they got to be consciously aware of these things. Where does Dan want them to focus on their breathing? What floor do they need to be mindful of, delayed on, and sensing really well? Where are they at with activities around them, orientation-wise, with their arms and their their eyes and what they're doing with their legs at the same time, so that they can challenge the human asymmetry we see in every single individual out there that's built as a human. Uh, It's not new to somebody who looked at the body the same way that I did from my early years of saying, you know, I had triplet sisters and I had two of them were, two of them were identical and the third one wasn't. So I had a real right in front of me, a lab. I could see when my two identical triplet sisters, what they were doing, my third one was not, but they were came from the same mom and dad, same household. 
The point I'm trying to make is that our maturity, our maturity is neurologically designed. And when you look at humans, we're all identically made. It's not like we have a, a heart on one side different than our neighbor does. We're all identically put together, but we're not identical when it comes to emotions. It comes to behavior. It comes to decision-making. And here's the big one. It comes to how we move with what we put in and what we put out with our body. And if we're kind to our two sides of our body, we would understand that there's certain things we have to challenge the dominance inside of us. And the dominance inside of us is driven primarily by a mechanical machine called a muscle that would be our right diaphragm, much larger than the left. And that right diaphragm is tied in with our left brain, which is much more dominant than the right for mechanical function. Our right brain is the one that gives us pleasure. So if we start looking at the two sides of our entire system, our teeth, our nose flow, our airflow through our nose, and the two bronchial tubes that come off our central airway, we'd all appreciate the need for what your kids are getting from Dan. We have to be mindful of that. And once we're mindful of that, I think all of us, no matter what discipline we are interested in or what type of work we do, uh, we would be then therefore a little bit more uh, whole-minded not whole food minded, but whole neurologically minded, whole purpose minded. Right now we're, we're pieces of fabric. We're looked at as people that break down because something gave out. And there's a reason for why it gives out, why it breaks down. And I can tell you the answer to that is always going to be lack of alternating function, rhythmical function, frequencies that are not being managed correctly because of how we tune ourselves. And nothing will, re- nothing will you know, untune us faster than a chair. Or, uh, or improper sleep habits, or what we do with our perimeter and our peripheries that we have around us. So I was gifted with that. I, I came from an area, Jennifer, that said, the world is full of, of experience. Uh, I grew up in a nature, in a household full of nature. And all you had to do was remind yourself, you know, what are the patterns going on around us? My mom and dad could see a pattern faster than anybody I know in my life. Uh, if you think I'm fast, you should see how fast they were. Uh, they knew things were going to collapse. And that's kind of where I came from. So I hope that made sense. No, you know what? When we speak and when I hear you talk, I do get a lot of it, but a lot of it, I'm like, wow. <laughs> it goes over well, my I'm head. just trying to be helpful. No, you know, so I get it's it. It's the way I was raised is what I'm I, trying and to And I appreciate it. I, I, your parents must have been very amazing people, just like yourself. So um, here's a question. The left foot, when we met, uh-huh. Came, I, Ron invited me to come to his practice and, and invited me to bring the kids and just get an evaluation, you know, because my kids have gone through a lot of ortho, a lot of um, expansion and breathing training. And I wanted his opinion. Well, the left side, the left heel, the left side, why are we all wanting to avoid that left side? Yeah. Both both kids are kind of shifted over to the right and we have to keep bringing them back. I know you've talked about the asymmetry of the body, but could you touch on the left heel, how feet are involved in this big picture and how that affects the bite? Sure. Sure. And I'll try your, to, what I, I mean by bite is the occlusion. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Your bite is like how your teeth meet together for the audience. Well, I start off in dentistry. And uh, in my, you know, I loved anatomy and I loved, I loved looking at uh, occlusion, 
not only of the teeth, but occlusion occurs in areas that people forget about. Uh, when you hit the ground, Jennifer, as a physical therapist to a physical therapist, we have to occlude. We have to push. Uh, push is a requirement for forward movement. So our teeth, we got upright because of our teeth. Our teeth gave us the sense of regulatory pressurizing activities that allowed us to push down on the side that we were biting on. So when you bite on the right side or bite on the left side, you're probably going to shift. If the listeners who's listening to this would stand up and bite on their left side hard, you'll probably feel their body shift a little bit easier to the left as it would then it shift to when you bite on the right. So our canines, our front eye teeth and our molars were put in our mouth in this U-shaped way to help us regulate a piston or excuse me, a pivotal point around the base of the skull, our brainstem, our, where our hole is, this big foramen magnum that goes up and you know, lets things go up and down our body. The shoe, the foot, the things we do with our feet, the, the ground we put ourselves on was not made of concrete when we developed these teeth. It was made of plains and grass, plains of sand and dirt and rocks and soil. We were very good as upright human beings that were constantly doing, uh, you know, river dancing. You know, we were clicking and a clomping and we used our feet just almost like we did our teeth. We had a real good propensity for understanding how to regulate our function from the floor up and then also how to regulate function from the top down. So we had a floor in our mouth and we had a floor underneath our foot. Our foot is like the teeth on our top of our mouth. And the floor is like the teeth on the bottom of our mouth. And our brain knows that. That's why we develop these baby teeth, because we aren't going to develop permanent teeth until we get to a situation where our brain says, okay, I think now you're, you're, going, you're going to be able to handle the environment around you better. We'll give you some permanent teeth. So these teeth and these feet have a pattern. And we like dominance on our right side. It's why we, how we use our lungs. It's how we use our, our organs. And it's how we use our two cortical brains. We have two brains, a left one and a right one. And our functional brain dominance, our functional cortical dominance is receiving sensory information from our mouth and our floors that we move on for upright support. That's how we can do what we do with this one spine we have. Okay, with that being said, Jennifer, if we don't know how to correctly strike at the correct time, our entire method of how we digest and move and use our extremities is now not distorted, but suppressed. It's hemi-lateralized in function. We start to become really good at doing things and we've done that really well in this world. We put doorknobs on one side. We put, we put people on one side of the road ergonomically so they don't kill somebody. We're all patterned people. We are so patterned ergonomically, occupationally, it's not even comical. It's kind of sad. Everything we do is predictable. We know which side to move on when we're passing somebody on the streets. We're very patterned human beings. And so when you look at what we've done to ourselves, after, you know, we developed this concrete we're walking on, our bodies have also been patterned. Our right ribs become a little bit more uh, uh, secured for balance and postural support. Our left ribs become more free. And unfortunately, the left ribs don't take onerous responsibility for the need for us to shift back over the left side. Therefore, we lose the ability to sense 
our left heel like we have on our right side. We lose some of our teeth sense. We lose some of our nose sense and our autonomic function on how we get excited sense. All that depends upon the rhythm that we need to reestablish. And if we don't get that left side engaged so we can somewhat suppress the right side, our patterns only grow up. And then we start getting malocclusion and malware and malformation of visual processing. And even our spiritual cognitive processing of what's around us is overexcited on one side more than the other. We become very biased. Now, that overall picture for a physical therapist says, we better be mindful. We better be mindful of a left hamstring, a left abdominal wall, a left hemidiaphragm. These are things that are very important for the human to maintain as, as we continue to develop. Otherwise, we're going to break down early. And that morphology that we see in our lives with headaches and sleeplessness and need for you know uh, oxygen early on in life is not related to a virus. It's related to this viral activity that's going on because of lack of appreciation for this need to shift from side to side and swing and use both sides of our body as much as we can. We'll never use them the same way because our bodies were not developed for that. But if we lived in a culture like we had in the early 1600s, 1500s, I think we'd look a little different today. So technology in some regards, Jennifer, has really sped this up. And I see it speeding up even faster and faster and faster. Uh, we, we're forgetting the, the laws of nature. And I hope that kind of made sense when you ask questions, well, you know, how are the teeth and the feet related? They are directly related. Uh, there's a direct correlation between each one of those teeth and our toes and our fingers. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I I recall looking at gait, you know, yeah, with patients. Yeah. And, and the majority of patients, they do not swing equally or evenly. Yeah. You know, one side's always kind of hanging out. You mm-hmm. and For all the listeners that are listening... Gate is what he's talking about. This oscillation. This is what we're naturally meant to do: is to step on one foot. the The arm swings one way, but we tense up because of our patterns that we sit in front of the computer. We don't move around that much. We might be using the mouse on that side. That arm's getting tighter. We stop oscillating. We stop swinging. So it's. It's really been an, a, a, a real big eye-opening um, experience sure. for me to, to, you know, knowing as much as I do know about posture and TMJ and breathing, that um, you really do have to look at the body as a whole. And if you don't, and you just treat that one, yeah. if you pigeonhole your focus on one area, you're yeah. going to miss the big picture, Sure. right? Absolutely. And, and again... I, I think everybody should know that I am not an angry guy because people aren't looking at the big picture. I'm more of a, I'm, I'm really hopeful. I'm really optimistic that because of things like, you know, you mentioned AAPMD and this collaborative effort we have in this country right now, the attention drawn to just sleep and the attention drawn to diet and the attention drawn to airway management is all a reflection of patterns. And these patterns are all related. I, I, I didn't even go over the big ones, the attention that we need to have about autonomic function and how we cognitively process information. What does uh, autonomic function mean for the- Good question. I'm sorry I, I threw that out there, but how we, how we self-regulate ourselves 
through a, a nervous system that is a, is working like in 0.01 milliseconds to make decisions for us that are based upon how we reacted to the decision the last time we were presented with it, how we regulate our heart rhythm and how we regulate our breath rhythm and how we regulate our immune system and how we regulate the way we work our endocrine system. These systems inside the body is an autonomic driven thing, which is vagal, which is another word for a nervous system that takes care of this activity for us, built off of patterning, built off of chemistry, hormones, and how we've we've taken this this world of ours and processed a pattern of use with our bodies that facilitates whether or not we're going to be less or more excited about certain events. We have a world full of hypervigilant people, hyperactive people. They never sleep, hyper-resilient people, people that just can't quit eating. Uh, we have this, this hyper activity and that's autonomics. That's self-induced often because of the poor regulation of what we're doing with the non-autonomic nervous system, our central nervous system, i.e. left arm, right leg, right arm, left leg, uh, left mouth, right leg, foot, right mouth, left foot, right arm, right ear, left arm, left ear. You know, we just, we need that constant, that constant nurturing of what's going on in our perimeter activities that we often miss because of how we sit, how we sleep, how we stand, and how we regulate function. So our internal drive, our internal spirit becoming more and more regulated by people around us and our own body that we're supposed to be mindful of. We we need to be us, be you. And to be you, you got to look at us, me, you, as having this need to regulate everything around us on both sides and everything on us on both sides and everything in us on both sides with this rhythmic oscillatory activity we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And, and, and finding someone that actually can help you through that oscillatory mechanism that we should be going through is not always the easiest. I know that, um, you know, you have an institute that is teaching a lot of physical therapists and you mentioned anybody that wants to really work with the body um, Pilates instructors. I know things like that. Um, I want to kind of just relate the average person I think is breathing really is uptight because of all the work that we have to do on our plate. And I think the United States, I lived in Europe for a few years and it was a little different there. I feel like the U S brings on like work, 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 go, go, go. Relaxing is not good. You know, enjoying is not good. You have to just drive your body through this. And we end up scrunched up in our chest and and our shoulders are up high and you're using all these muscles that I manually work on. I dry needles of release and, to get them to go down. But what I'm realizing is there's ways to get out of these patterns. And I need the, just what I'd like the audience to understand is that, you know, there's lots of ways to skin a cat, right? There's lots of ways. Um, I've just found that this technique in very short amount of time has really changed the posture. You know, the first time I met with Dan and Bella, he's like, her chest is in inhalation. 
like when you think of the inhalation, your chest goes, you know, your chest should kind of expand and go out and go up a little bit, but hers was very high. And so there was a few exercises just to lower it with a lot of exhaling with some sounds. Sometimes it's a little strange, but you know, the kids are doing it and they're lowering these, this rib cage of ours so that the neck doesn't have to stabilize the back or the spine. Mm -hmm. She was using her neck left and right, but just to be able to be upright. So I'm, I'm very grateful to have this resource. I'm very interested in continuing learning from, from you and your Institute. I wanted to bring up, you had mentioned the breathing mechanics seminars, the COVID and COVID times, Mm -hmm. you know, you had mentioned that. And um, I'm going to just see if I can share for a moment. I don't know if you tell me if you see this, Dan, I'm on the, the Postural Restoration yeah. Institute. Yeah. So if I go to your institute um, website and I go to resources right here and I go down to webinars, okay? And then I'm, I'm going to pull it up. It says here, PRI breathing mechanics in COVID time. So there's yeah. a nine, you said it was nine weeks. So if anyone is interested in learning a little bit about what the Postural Institute you, is... I would take a look at this website, go to webinars and look down and it's a great resource. Could you just comment on that, Ron? Uh, yeah, I would. And, you know, Jennifer, I, I, I really appreciate you again. I want to say this to the listener. I feel sometimes we do podcasts. I do a lot of them actually. And I feel sometimes there's always a, an underlying, you know, need to do the podcast. I really appreciate what you're doing right now for the listener because this is a resource they can go to. This is not a selfish plug. I think if someone's interested in our institute in terms of what we do with disciplines, I appreciate you allowing the listener to go to something that was designed for an audience that was of many disciplines and including the general public itself. So this is a great resource for the general public to go to, to learn more about our lungs our bronchial tree, our airway, our gas exchange, our pulmonary function in a way that I think will be at a a level that can meet many, many different uh, levels of mindedness and cognitive processing. So I just appreciate you allowing us to talk about it because we were, we were really happy to do it. It's nine sessions. Uh, you know, I would encourage the listener to go through and look at all the topics and maybe you can, you might be mindful that if you're interested in any of them, it would go a lot, it would flow a lot better if you start from the beginning to get to the one you're m- most interested in. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a resource that I think has helped our, our, not just the physical therapist or the chiropractor or the, uh, personal trainer or, or the dentist or, or the optometrist who listens to, or goes to courses in PRI, but to the average person who wants to have a better understanding, like you and I are doing right now on how does this pulmonary, this lung system really work? And why is it important to look at two sides, for example, and what, what's the design, what's the underlying design of it in terms of keeping our lungs healthy and our airways managed better? So I appreciate you mentioning that because I think that's one of the reasons we're here together right now. We met by going to courses on that. We met people that we know in our life who are our friends that have the same mindset 
And that's how we got together. Right. Um, like there's optometrists I'm really working with and there's neurologists I'm working with. But in this podcast, as a physical therapist to a physical therapist, I appreciate your bringing up this particular series because I think the general public will get a lot out of it and things that we can't cover you know, in 45 minutes on a podcast like this. So thank you. All I can say is thank you, Jennifer. Of course, of course. And, you know, um, I, I always want to keep the podcast around 40 minutes. We're almost there. And I want to yep. tell you, you're going to be one of my interviewees at some point in the future because we got a lot more to discuss. So, well, listen, I really appreciate all the insight and that that you spend this time to share with the, our, our audience a little bit about how the body works um, I know it's 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 a very different approach, um, but it's it to me it makes sense. I know a lot about the body. I know a lot about the breathing and the airway and how the neck and spine affect mm-hmm. um, or are affected by the way we breathe. Yeah. Uh, this is just bringing it to a whole other level. So, um, Ron, thank you, thank you so much, and I look forward to interviewing you in in the future again. Me as well. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for listening to The Breathing Lab with Dr. Jenny. 